1: We have gotten incredible and heartbreaking images and videos coming out of ukraine as the russian invasion of that country continues some of what we are seeing is coming from mainstream media but a lot of it is from people simply posting to social media videos or pictures they take with their phone we wanted to talk about the importance and role of social media in a war zone like this so we caught up with dr mike smith he is an associate professor of communications at lasalle university so to start The Russian invasion of Ukraine, how much of an impact already have we seen social media have on multiple levels?
0: Well, the, the multiple levels uh, part of your question is is essential here. Um, uh, really, Russia started a social media campaign in Ukraine as far back as uh, 2018 to begin to convince some of the um, uh, internal, traditionally ethnic Russian population there that uh, they really should be you know aligned with Russia rather than you know, Ukraine. Um, And then here in the last week or so, uh, that narrative has been challenged. Uh, It's been challenged by the people in Ukraine uh, with social media posts, um, you know, talking about how they want to be part of Ukraine and be unified. Um, So almost immediately the the Russian story about why they were in Ukraine was undermined by, by social media. In addition to that, we've seen the elevation of um, uh, President Zelensky as um, a hero um, in in Ukraine and around the world. Um, you know, he made very savvy use of social media right from the very start, broadcasting with his um, with the leaders of parliament and several um, uh, agencies of the Ukraine government. Um, you know, outside the the Um, capital building saying, we are not going anywhere, we're gonna stand up to this and uh, rallying, trying to rally international support to his side. So, um, you know, those things have, you know, almost immediately become, you know, parts of the narrative. Um, And then, you know, finally, just the heartbreaking um, uh, visions of um, uh, people fleeing uh, the fighting of the actual destruction that's being done. Of um, the you know the lack of uh, a ceasefire that was promised over the weekend, um, you know, all of those things have contributed to I think a, a almost worldwide bonding of
1: people behind uh, Ukraine. Does this specifically for Ukrainians? This basically the age we live in. Anybody with a phone becomes a war correspondent. I mean mm-hmm. we you know we we've known from u s. and Afghanistan and Iraq. you would have reporters embedded and we got it for the of kind of a firsthand view of a lot of things. But with this, I mean, you get it from every direction from everywhere. It really does change perceptions, and I would think it changes strategies as well, not just for media, but for countries. Mm-hmm.
0: uh yes absolutely and and really um, you know it, it sort of flew under the radar I think for a lot of us because social media was still pretty new I mean when you think about it you know Facebook and uh, you know Twitter are only a little over a decade old but even in some of the conflicts um, uh, earlier like Afghanistan and uh, in other countries where there's a A lot of state control of the mass media, news media. Um, Citizen journalists have been getting the story out for a while. Um, You know, I was reviewing some of my notes before this, and uh, as early as 2011, uh, there were articles by U.S. military commanders saying, "You know, what's what's the strategic use of social media for commanders in the field? Um, You know, how do we either build on uh, some of the, the reports that are coming out from citizen journalists that, that might support our strategic efforts or how do we respond to, you know, incidents that um, might undermine, you know, the, the story that we're trying to tell in the field. So it's it's been going on for a little while. Here in, um, you know, in uh, the Ukraine invasion, um, you know, the I think Russia... Very early on, got frustrated, I should say. Um, Mr. Putin and his commanders got frustrated with the story that was coming out and uh, began to resort to um, more... Uh, forceful tactics to um, shut off the media, uh, cut off access to uh, social media in Russia and to a certain extent in Ukraine uh, by disrupting their computer technologies and and becoming more brutal in the tactics, the military tactics they're using to um, suppress uh, stories and, and people.
1: You mentioned, I think Russia has cut off Facebook, Twitter, uh, amongst others. Doesn't that kind of send a message in its own that, you know, if everything's going according to plan, why does the government need to stop these comp- uh, these ability for people to see what's happening? Now, I'm sure it can be spun in a propaganda way that they're telling mm-hmm. lies. and But I would think anybody that's looking at this through a relatively even handed lens would be like, well, it seems kind of silly and heavy handed. If everything's going fine, why can't we hear about it? <laughs>
0: Well, that's true, but Putin's Russia has never been known for its light handedness uh, when it comes to the media and social media. You know, reporters for years have, have known you know, for traditional mass media news reporting, uh, folks who do your job. Right, um, they've known that censorship and the threat of uh, arrest or raids and that sort of thing has been uh, has been a part of the the um, way of doing business there. Um, over the weekend, you know, I, I think it's important to note that it's not just social media, but but mass media journalism that it's you know really been clamped down on. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard uh, that um, uh, Russia has essentially said any media outlet saying something against the government's war effort, um, any reporter is subject to arrest uh, and up to 16 years in jail for, you know, lying spreading fake news about the invasion. So that's caused a number of U.S. broadcasters to um, uh, stop reporting live from Russia. Um, it's um, closed up the last independent Russian media outlet. And so when you're doing that with the, um, you know, sort of broadcast media um, and also cutting off social media, um, you're, you're really kind of clamping down on, on the story that's told out there. now your original question, um, some in Russia are used to state-run media. Um, now, knowing that I have to take everything that I see on social media with a grain of salt, I did see some social media folks on uh, TikTok interviewing Russian citizens Typically, middle-aged to older Russian citizens saying everything that Putin is doing is correct. It's justified. Uh, the Ukrainians were the the aggressors in this. Um, essentially, buying into you know the, the party line, as it were. Uh, and so, cutting off social media it doesn't really have much of an effect on those people whose minds were already made up because they they stay tuned uh, they were tuned in more to the uh, state-run media.
1: Does a does propaganda, and even if it's not intentional, uh, but propaganda, is it more effective, do you think, coming from everyday people on the ground in a situation like this than it would be coming from a government? Because there was one video I saw of uh, Ukrainian people uh, feeding and giving tea to a Russian soldier, allowing him to use their phone to mm-hmm. FaceTime as... His- his mom and it seemed like there was con- he was confused why he was there and his mother right. didn't understand like and that just i don't know if it was tiktok or whatever mm-hmm. uh do these kind of organic on the ground things can they be more powerful than stuff that comes from the top down from governments?
0: Uh, i think so Definitely counters, uh, you know, some of the the myth, I guess, of the mighty Russian army, you know, sort of rolling through Ukraine. When um, you know, in addition to those sort of human stories of Russian soldiers wondering why they're why they're there and you know crying to their mothers while they're on uh, Facetiming them, uh, there's also this sort of ineptitude, you know, you know, Russian tanks running out of gas and Ukrainians offering to you know tow them back to Russia, right? I think that authentic media, uh, social media in general, is much more effective than any sort of state-run thing. The the thing to remember, though, is that Russia is very, very sophisticated. Right, when it comes to social media, um, I was. Reading a study by the Rand Corporation from a couple of years ago saying that there were Russia had created a social media network of about 41,000 users in Ukraine um, and Russian speaking. Um, who would amplify and repeat the messages that were were you know sort of pro Russia, pro Putin, and I think those folks can you know create equally compelling, authentic-looking social media, and then we know that you can also fake authenticity. You know, it's the old showbiz adage. You know, if you can't be sincere, at least fake it, right? Um, and uh, they, you know, it's very um, easy to do that, um, you know, manipulating video and, and photos. So um, while I think it is safe to say that a lot of what we're seeing from Ukrainian citizens are um, uh, is authentic, um, it can also be said that people have a right to be skeptical about what they see.
1: To that point, how difficult the thing with social media and you talk about faking it and if it's genuine and stuff like that you know, people from the U S for the most part are watching a conflict in a place that they've never been and probably couldn't find on a map. And I don't say that in a, I'm not trying to be people up, but it it seems Mm -hmm. like a world away, right? We don't speak the language. We don't know the customs. So from a U.S. standpoint, people that are nervous about this and watching it, how much caution should we put into things we see? Like, you know, things that we might that look like a big deal, but maybe aren't given the where this is located in Ukraine and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And, and we see something that looks terrible, but then, oh, wait a minute. That's from six months ago. And, you know, it, it, the tanks aren't rolling into Kiev, you know, because there's snow on these tanks and it hasn't snowed there in months. Stuff mm-hmm. stuff like that. How much of a critical eye should we be putting to this to the images and, and messages that are kind of coming out of, of this conflict?
0: Uh, that's an excellent question. And, uh, the, the answer, I think short answer is a very critical eye, you know, and this goes for almost any social media, right? Whether it's about domestic U S politics, um, uh, you know, what we hear about the economy and all sorts of things. um, there are multiple sources of information that people can turn to. And probably the best advice is to sort of at least triangulate where you're getting your information from. So there have been several good fact-checking sites that are Europe European based, where they know the geography and the people and the weather conditions and all of that. In some respects, they're doing almost real time. Now it with the overwhelming amount of um, images and, and that coming out, it's been difficult to do. But they've been doing almost real-time um, image checking, fact checking, that sort of thing to say, well, uh, you know, like you say, there's snow on the tanks and it hasn't snowed there in a while, right? Uh, so where is this? When was it shot, et cetera? Um, I think personal narratives of people where there is absolutely no context, like, you know, close up, face um, uh, testimonials of somebody who's escaping need to be taken with a little bit of a, a grain of salt now the you know blogger who had a missile blow up above his head while he was reporting from uh, from uh, one of the major cities in Ukraine that seemed pretty legitimate
1: right? yeah hard to fake that one
0: yeah hard to fake that one Right. So um, I think traditional media has a role in reporting things. I think a lot of uh, the major news networks, uh, both in the U.S. and in Europe, like the BBC, um, are providing context and history to this and uh, you know, sort of trying to zoom out a little bit to look at the bigger picture. Um, there are some things that you know are legitimately dangerous and and things that we might be concerned about here so for instance um the live streaming of the fire at the nuclear power plant over the weekend that was that was legitimately a bad thing you know directing missiles at nuclear power plants that aren't reinforced for those sorts of things which are most nuclear power plants um you know that that's really dangerous and um you know, something goes wrong there, it could affect all of Europe and, and even here. And then listening to not necessarily talking heads per se, um, but looking at, um, you know, analyses of the situation, you know, leading up to this, what could the you know, provocation be to, you know, make this a, a bigger war, right? You know, how does that influence some of our policy decisions? So, install a no or install a no fly zone. Well, uh, there aren't any borders in the sky. So, if that you know wanders, you know, if the dogfight wanders over into um, NATO airspace, then we have a whole another uh, whole another level of hurt coming. So,
1: I mean, obviously, to your earlier point, you know, Vladimir Putin doesn't want any narrative other than his own within Russia. But in this day and age, I would imagine, I don't care how many outlets you shut off, how many journalists you kick out, how much state propaganda you put out, people are going to find things out. And I think one of the keys to this conflict, I think, lies with the Russian people. And, you know, if they were to and we're seeing it, I mean, to this point, Putin's been able to put the screws down, just put a bunch of people in jail, but we're seeing constant protests. And I think one of the keys is going to be when people who right now agree with him, it will, how important is it that that group is going to start to get what's really happening kind of secondhand, but secondhand from, well, why isn't my son home? Mm-hmm. Why haven't I heard from my grandson in three months If everything's going fine? Right. Is that how, is that really kind of a key here is no matter how hard this, the, the message is going to get to, to people, the truth's going to get to people.
0: I, I think you're right. Um, you know, first of all, you can't underestimate the power of uh, interpersonal channels. Um, you know, as they say, you know, I haven't heard from my kid in a few months, what's going on here, uh, or I have heard from my kid and it's not going well. Um, there is that, I think, um, Some media outlets are going old school. Uh, The BBC has begun to transmit via shortwave, uh, very much like they did during World War Two. And uh, for those of, you know, less... uh, uh, a younger vintage. Uh, if you remember the Harry Potter movies, where Harry was listening to a shortwave radio about you know things that were going on uh, in the magical realm, uh, the BBC is doing that again, and uh, that will get through. And I, I imagine they're not the only media outlet. Um, Russian, more prominent Russians are using um, uh, you know broadcast media and that to to make their pleas for peace heard. Um, now again. And that might have been censored by now in in Russia, uh, but the fact that you have a number of people making statements against the war uh, and regular citizens, the coverage of that is is still happening. The protests, um, and I think so, you know, again, if you have a you know a thousand people show up for a protest in your town, you don't need social media to know about that right? People will tell you, you'll see it for yourself. And slowly that word will spread.
1: With regards to previous conflicts, I've been fascinating in thinking about this. Is there a a high-level conflict that you think if it was the same situation, but put through the lens of our social media world today, Mm -hmm. that we would see a vastly different outcome and the the first one that comes to mind to me is vietnam right because i don't think the american government narrative would have held the water it held for as long i mean there was a strong anti-war but Mm -hmm. it took years to kind of hit a tipping point Uh, i think it's a completely different conflict uh, with today's social media landscape what do you think
0: I agree with that. I I think it would have been uh, it would have taken less time to hit the tipping point um, with Vietnam. And even as it was right, the the mass media, uh, traditional news reporters um, and and Walter Cronkite saying we can't trust what's going on in Vietnam or the information that we're hearing anymore. uh, That was very significant. Right. Um, so you have a local um, uh, North Vietnamese person with a Twitter account uh, or Facebook live streaming some of the fierce battles, you know, potential war crimes and things that were happening. it, it it would have shocked us um, even sooner, I think. Um, the uh, interestingly enough, the you spoke before about uh, embedded journalists in um, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, uh, that was absolutely a result of the coverage of the Vietnam War. If I'm better reporter with my unit, uh, and I, you know, I'm a reporter and still want access, I can, to a certain extent, control what they're seeing, uh, even though it's up close and personal, right? Um, and the information then that I tell or give out about, you know, some of the other aspects of the war, you know, just has to be trusted. And if you don't report, the information I'm giving you as a military leader, um, then I might, um, take away your access to the up close and personal, really good, powerful television that you're able to get. Um, and so there's, you know, kind of a catch 22 when you add social media into that though, right. It's hard to control that. So I think in many of the conflicts, um, and even in some of the more recent ones, we fought, social media has played a role in, in tipping the strategy um Photographs from World War II were censored, um, you know, by uh, you know, time-life photographers, and so, you know, had they had social media then, um those would have gotten out without a doubt.
1: Yeah, and it's just, you know, you start going down this rabbit hole of, you know, I talked about there was all there was a strong anti-war Vietnam movement. Imagine that that organization we saw, whether you agreed or disagreed, it was impressive just on its scale. Mm -hmm. But then the ability to do that in real time on social media and get get it nationwide and not just having to individually call any individual person or hold a big meeting, stuff like that.
0: Right. Right. Social media by um, peace activists or anti-war activists in, in many conflicts uh, has been used to rally larger support, organize people, get them to show up at, at uh, you know certain places at certain times and uh, and make the broader call to mass media outlets to say, you know, this is an issue. We need coverage. We need help. Um, uh, and and even we've seen in Ukraine, uh, you know, the government more formally has asked for help, you know, primarily via social media, um, you know, until they got to to some of the larger forums uh, like the EU and United Nations.
1: We kind of touched on this earlier in the conversation, but but just to bring it home, it really seems like if you're plotting a military, any kind of a large scale military situation, your ability. To utilize social media almost has to be considered in your planning, mm-hmm. uh, amongst the same of how are we going to feed and clothe the troops? How many people are we going to need? Where are we going to defend? Where I mean, it's it's really that critical to any kind of a military effort.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, again, you know, as early as 2011, uh, there were several military strategists writing in uh, defense. Department publications uh, about uh, the strategic use of social media, and uh, that you need a, a unit within your command, um, you know, sector, like you know, very much like supplies and munitions and that sort of thing, uh, to you know, monitor social media, respond to uh, trends on social media, uh, put out your own story on social media. So yeah, yeah, uh, it's become. Um, I'm I'm not entirely sure. You know, since since then, um, you know how embedded uh, they have become. But I, I know that communication um, and, and social media are a part of almost every uh, major military unit my son serves on an aircraft carrier right now and uh, uh when i got to take a tour of it a couple of uh, months ago uh, we walked past the communication office and uh they have a facebook account and you know everything else instagram so uh, now they're not too open about like what they're doing um but i can you know if a unit like an aircraft carrier can have uh, something like that then you know boots on the ground units are going to have that as well